Morning, church. How are we? That's good. I like it when you respond. Yeah, it's not like school at all. Uh, Penny and I just came back from holidays, and um, I love holidays. I love being away, uh, having breakfast every morning, um, not cooking. Oh, thanks, champ. Um, yeah, sorry, I forgot to tell you. I don't need it. Sorry, 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 sorry. That, that was my fault. That was my fault. It kind of gets in my way, you know. Uh, but anyway, um, you know. But the thing, I mean, I love lots of things about holidays. The thing I don't like is that for some reason, people think they need to bring their dogs on holiday. It is unbelievable. Why? Why? Why, people? Dogs don't need a holiday. I don't need them in the table next to me coming to talk to me. I'm like, Penny, let's swap seats. No, no, thank you. Let's swap seats. Uh, no, no, we're not going there. Let's go to the cafe across the road. Yeah, it may be inferior, but it doesn't have dogs. Just, my gosh. Running along the beach. I'm walking in the water because dogs are on the beach. Just, anyway. So, this Thursday, actually, um, and I forgot to remind Pastor Rick to say, but this Thursday, we are actually having the grand reopening of food care. Food care was decimated in the floods last year, but through a lot of hard work, we are reopening it. But you know what we thought? One, instead of just reopening it, why not invite some people? So we're gonna have our mayor come and uh, help us reopen. We're gonna have some of our uh, councillors come. Um, we're gonna have our local member, uh, Susan Templeman is going to come. So there's gonna be, you know, a few dignitaries. Uh, Pastor Rick is gonna be cutting the ribbon. Um, and there's going to be cupcakes. So I'll be there. So owning 10 o'clock, yes, I forgot to tell you the time. So 10 o'clock, be there or be square, you know. So, yes, it just went over your head. 1 Samuel 13, 14, actually before I get there, um, I had, a convers- I had a funny conversation with a friend this week. And, um, he, you know, we talk a lot about God, but one of the things he said to me just kind of ticked me off a bit. And um, he said, you know what, Bruce, I went to um, my local church and um, I listened to the, the pastor bring his opinion, and it's, it, it, it struck me the moment he said his opinion, because I was thinking, all right, we're in for an argument now. And so he said, you know, I listened to the preacher bring his opinion on the Word of God, because let's face it, that's what it is, and I got nothing out of it. Uh, 
I got nothing out of this person just bringing their opinion. I mean, what's the point of preaching? What's the point of church? And I said, hold on a second. I actually said, hold on a second, son. Hold on a second. He's not my son, but, you know, he needed to know that God, uh, I was going to say God speaking. Um, He needed to know that, you know, uh, someone with authority is speaking now. And I said, hold on a second, son. The thing you are saying is that it is up to the preacher to convince you to make changes in your life, to bring something that will grab you and change your life completely. That's not the point. The point is that the preacher is not bringing his opinion, he's bringing a revelation that God has given him. That's what he's sharing. He's not sharing his opinion. And I said, at Strong Nation Church, I said, we go one step further. And we encourage everyone, not just to rely on what the preacher is saying, but actually ask God, sorry, I'm spitting. But actually ask God, what do you want me to get out of this sermon this morning? And so, church, I pray that, yes, you hear my voice this morning. But above all, I pray this morning, you hear God's voice speaking to you. All right. 1 Samuel 13, 14 um, refers to David as a man after God's own heart. We read uh, King David's story and we see how close he is to God. We see how much he loves God. We see what an intimate relationship he has with his God. So when we read Psalms 8, and I'm gonna, it's going to come up on the screen, but when we read it, it is not just a man writing things down that has interacted with God through a third party. He hasn't heard about God because a friend of a friend decided to tell him about it. Now, this is, this is a man that has had an intimate relationship with his God. Or rather, he's still having an intimate relationship with his God, right? So Psalms 8, 3 to 9 says this. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. And when you read that, don't you think David could have actually said, 
Oh my God, how excellent are you? Yeah, the pieces. When I, when I have a look at this, right, and I, I'm thinking, David is contemplating why God thinks man is so important. He's, he's, he's thinking about it, you know? I mean, this piece of scripture does lend itself. Sorry, I just keep spinning. I'm not sure why. This piece of scripture lends itself to the yeah, You could have an existential conversation based off this scripture, you know? Um, why man? But um, we're not gonna do that this morning. We're just gonna focus on why God pays us so much attention. David's asking the question, why do you pay us so much attention? What is it about God, what is it about us that God loves so much? And we have a look at, uh, I love verse five, and I'll pull out a couple of points from verse five, but verse five says, for you have made him a little lower than angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. The Bible doesn't say we have crowned ourselves with glory and honor. Sometimes I think we think of doing that. The Bible doesn't say that the devil has crowned us with glory and honor because he wants to try and rip us off. The Bible is pretty clear. God himself decided to crown us with glory and honor. And when you think about it, and as I was contemplating this, I realized that the reason why God crowns us with glory and honor is because he thinks of us as the pinnacle of his creation. We are the most important part of his creation. He loves us that much. But it's more than just that, church. Yes, we are the pinnacle of his creation. But church, it also means that God sees us. He sees us. It is not just he's created us and then, uh, yeah, I'm done with that. His focus is on us. Not on anything else, but on us. So it doesn't matter what we are going through. It doesn't matter whether life is up, life is down, you you feel pulled left, you feel pulled right. Know this church, that God sees you. And because he sees you, he is not going to leave us alone. He's there to guide us, to direct us through his Holy Spirit. He is with us every step of the way. Yeah, the other thought I have from Psalms 8.5 is that I can't help but think that if God has crowned us with glory and honor, 
if he thinks so much of us, then it must also mean that God has an amazing plan and purpose for our lives. He hasn't just created us and then gone, well, yeah, do your own thing. You know, I'm over here doing whatever gods do, right? But he has an amazing plan and purpose for us that is bigger and better than we could ever hope for ourselves. You know, right now, I, I love my life. I think um, living great life. I love my wife. I love my family. love my extended family. I love my job. Yeah? Um, I can't think of anything else that I could add to my life right now that would make it better than it is. Except maybe a pay rise. Marcus? Just, and you are looking beautiful this morning. I don't say it enough. You know, but there was, there was a time when I was 18, some 31 years ago. Some of you weren't even born, weren't even thought of, but some of you were in your 40s. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, right? I wanted to be an Air Force pilot. That is what I wanted to be when I was 18. That was, for me back then, that was my best life that I thought I could live. You know, forgetting about the fact that I do get airsick, you know, won't worry about that. And forgetting about the fact that, you know, I failed physics. I failed physics so bad, after the first term, a physics teacher pulled me aside and said, Bruce, you're failing miserably. You are failing the simplest of physics tests. You need to give it up, you know? And so I gave it up. I tore down my posters of the F-18 Hornet. I tore down the, you know, F-14 Tomcat. I, I tore those down, I ripped it up. I was ticked. You know, but not long after that, God put another dream on my heart, another um, plan, purpose. And that was to be in full-time ministry. And, um, and that, that was my plan, right? That was my vision that God has given me. And I thank him that I am where he wants me to be right now. I am starting to live out the plan and the purpose that he has for my life. And for you, what is the plan and purpose God has for your life? What dream has he put on your life? What vision has he placed in your heart? You know, because through my life, this dream has been challenged. It's been pulled to almost breaking point. It's been pulled to almost, well, I'm just gonna give up on it and I'm gonna walk away. But it was the dream 
the plan, the purpose that God put in my heart that allowed me to go through the struggles that I've gone through. It gave me strength to know that, okay, life might not be the way I want it to be, but I know my God has called me to something. I know my God has asked me to do something, and I'm going to hold on to that, and I'm not going to let go. Even though I want to, even though I'm sick of this. And church, I would encourage you. What's God placed in your heart? What is he asking you to do? You know it. You know what God's asked you to do. Some of you right now would be remembering. Holy Spirit is dropping into your heart that which God has spoken to you about some a few months ago, some a few years ago, maybe even a couple of decades ago. And I would encourage you to hold on to that. Don't push it aside. Don't go, oh, I'm done, I'm too old or I'm too young or whatever it is. Because whatever you are going through, the strength you get to withstand whatever scenario is in front of you doesn't come because, well, I'm strong enough to handle this. My shoulders are broad enough. That'll, that'll keep you going for a bit. But where strength really comes is when you stand on the promise of God and you say, I know what God has called me to do. So I am not going to give up. I am not going to walk away. So I want to encourage you, church. Our God thinks so highly of you, so highly of us, that he has given you a plan and a purpose. And he has said, I see you through all of this. In Genesis 37, we meet young Joseph, 17 years of age. And Joseph, you can read the story from Genesis 37 through to Genesis 42. I'm just going to paraphrase it for us this morning. Um, so Joseph has two dreams that everyone and everything are going to bow down to him. No one likes those dreams. In fact, his brothers decided to show him how much they don't like that dream by um, throwing him into a pit and then selling him into slavery. You know, get that into you, Joseph. You know? And so for 13 years, Joseph lives as a slave. And God um, puts him into a position of power as Pharaoh's right-hand man. And so in verse 40, Genesis 42, 9, his brothers come along. And 42, 9 says this. Then Joseph remembered the dreams 
which he had dreamed about them and said to them, you are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. Yeah, you would think when Joseph saw them, he would make, try and have some sort of revenge on them. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that Joseph remembered the dreams God had given them, God had given him. Joseph was reminded that his God is faithful. Joseph could have said in that moment, oh my God, you are faithful. There will always be things, church, that happen in life that you may think are unfair or unwarranted. And it's easy to have a natural response to that. But I wanna encourage us this morning, church. Let's instead have a supernatural response. Let's instead say to ourselves, oh my God, he is faithful and he will bring to pass everything he has said over my life. You know, because strength, I said it before, doesn't come because you are you're able to withstand a situation. Rather, strength comes from knowing that God is faithful to see you through. And so church this morning, oh my God, what is he saying to you this morning? Because he's got something to say. He's got something to show you. I want to encourage us all to remember God is faithful. In uh, February 2020, um, three siblings, Anthony, Angelina, Sienna, and their cousin Veronica, were killed by a drugged out drunk driver. They were riding their bikes somewhere in Parramatta and uh, on a Sunday afternoon, and this guy, um, drunk out of his mind, high on drugs, hopped the curve on the footpath and killed them instantly. And on that Sunday afternoon, two families lost four kids because of one ridiculous decision. And you would think that those families are justified in having a very natural response to that situation. Can I ask the band to come, please? But instead, those families decided to forgive the driver. You know, and 
that story has stuck with me because uh, I remember um, you know, three, four, five months after the incident, at church we've uh, changed over our telephone system and the salesman that was uh, selling me the new telephone system, I don't know what we were talking about, but he brought this family up and he said, they go to my church. And uh, it was tough, but they decided to forgive the driver. You know, and they've gone on to create this movement, I forgive. Uh, I, number four, give. Iforgive.org. And they're encouraging other people to do the same. Now, you know, if they had lost their dog and decided to create this movement, I'm not quite sure what impact it would have on people. I know lots of people love their dogs. But these two families lost their kids. Not something that can ever be replaced. Church, that's a supernatural response. That's a response that comes from knowing their God. That's a response that can only come from knowing that they are loved. And you think about it. All over Australia, and however far this message go, um, their message goes, there are going to be people that are going to be forgiven. They're going to hear that I forgive you for X, Y, and Z. And imagine how many people are going to be impacted because they've received forgiveness. And some of them, in the natural, you think, don't deserve forgiveness. And out of a tragic circumstance comes a wonderful situation where people are forgiving each other. And oh my God, church, He is faithful because He can take the worst situation and turn it around and change people's lives. So this morning, church, as the band sings and leads us out this morning, what's God saying to you? What's He reminding you about? Can you think about, I know my God sees me. Or can you think about, I know my God is faithful worship him this morning who ask God speak to me because I am going through some stuff this morning 
and I need you to allow me to remember the words you've spoken over my life because I've seemed to have forgotten that. So I want to encourage you, church. Let's stand and let's worship God this morning.